Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Today we've got a crazy story of breaking legs. But first, sending my stepmother where she belongs. There's been an age-long stereotype about step-parents and the evil that they do. And while it's just a stereotype, there are some people who make it a reality. Currently, I'm 20 years old and I live with my father and little sister. But about three years ago, all three of us lived in a completely different place. My mother died a day after my 10th birthday. She'd been struck with recurring cancer for almost seven years before then. And with the amount of chemo she was subjected to during that time, she didn't do much other than lay around. The only time she genuinely did better was when she was pregnant with my little sister. When I was five and my sister was three, my mother was told that she only had at least a year to live. She promised me, however, that she would live until my 10th birthday, and she did. She planned the best birthday party for me, and then we had our final movie night as a family. That day will always remain in my memories as the best day in my life. When we woke up the next day, my mother had passed on. It was a very sad time for our family, and to this day we still miss her dearly. After my mother died, my father became very detached from us. I don't blame him as he had to deal with the loss of his wife, the financial burden that her illness caused, and two depressed preteens. He was really going through it. He did try his best to be there for us as much as he could, which wasn't a lot, but he tried. At first, he tried to employ nannies to look after us, but then he stopped, letting us know that he couldn't afford it anymore. Not too long after that, we moved to the countryside in a much smaller house to cut costs. Plus, it wasn't that unusual to leave kids on their own at home there. When I was 13 and at the peak of puberty, my dad started seeing some other people. It upset me a lot and upset my little sister even more. So much that she oversalted the poor woman's dinner. Our dad brought a few more dates home and we pranked every one of them until he just stopped introducing us to them. Funnily enough, during this time that we were ruining his chances at ever dating anyone in an already sparse country area, we got closer to him. There were things we talked about and bonded over that we never did before, and he worked more remotely and was able to teach us things like starting a fire on our own and learning to work a grill and making world-class burgers. We were getting a little more comfortable being a three-person family and having fun together when my dad decided to ruin it by bringing yet another woman home. From the get-go, I disliked this new lady. Let's call her Sue. She seemed like a little weird, too sweet and too nice and just too agreeable. She didn't do anything wrong, knew when she was welcome, and even got my witchy little sister to listen to her and like her. I refused to budge though because I just didn't agree with her in the way she did things. My dad stopped taking my sister and me fishing or doing any of the bonding activities we used to do because either he was too busy working or spending time with her. As a 15-year-old kid with no social life and zero friends besides my dad and little sister, it wasn't my favorite time to be alive. I grew very bitter towards Sue and she made it known to me numerous times that she didn't like me or care about me in the slightest, especially since she already had my dad and sister on her side. 
When I turned 17, Sue got married to my father at a small church wedding, and our lives became a smaller version of a living heck after that. My dad, soon after, got a different job in the city. It was on site and required him to be away four days out of the week. So it was just my sister, me, and Sue. Sue immediately became even colder to me, coddling my sister to be a little mini-her. I didn't care about it initially because I was a brooding teenager who had his own life, or lack thereof, to worry about, but with the time, my sister started to dress in clothes that weren't very appropriate for a 15-year-old girl, and Sue endorsed the behavior. Whenever I tried to talk to my father about it, he was too tired from work, or just wanted some time to rest before he would need to go back to work again. I decided to take matters into my own hands and convince my sister to apply for jobs with me so that she would be around Sue less. Thankfully, she agreed and we both got jobs at a local cafe. She began to talk to me again, and I realized that Sue was just poisoning my very impressionable little sister's mind, telling her that it was profitable to date older men and even talking about how useless college was when you could just get someone to pay you for existing. The horror of it all was that my sister sounded excited about the prospect of being an instrument of her own destruction, by Sue's hands at that. Note that I was still 17 at this time, and we lived in a conservative countryside, so I hadn't really gotten a good briefing on sex education or anything of the sorts. But I knew that some things led to other things and painted the most gory image for my sister, enough to scare her head to be screwed on right again. Sue noticed that we were being cautious of her again, and she somehow got the memo that my sister and I didn't like her. During the week when my father was away, my sister and I basically took care of ourselves, and Sue didn't do anything until my father got back from work, and then we pretended that we got along for his peace of mind. On a random Friday evening, some uniformed men barged in right after dinner time and accused my father of fraud. Everyone was shocked and was asking for a better explanation, but he was carted off in what seemed like the blink of an eye. For a few days, Sue disappeared, and we planned on going to a relative's place to stay in the meantime, until we knew what was going on with our dad. We had just gotten to the relative's place when Sue came to pick us up with a note from the court to say she was in charge of holding on to us until our dad returned from court or till this court case was decided upon. She didn't seem as upset about the whole thing as we were. Heck, she didn't seem upset at all. Her face showed no emotions, but her body language was very relaxed. Too relaxed for someone whose husband just got carted to jail. Apparently our father had stolen hundreds of thousands of dollars from unsuspecting farmers and people who lived around us in the name of some false business. My father worked a very hands-on job, so he had to be great at multitasking and Facebook marketing to do something like that. The old man could barely use a smartphone, talk more about Facebook or fraud or anything of the sort. My sister and I knew our dad was innocent. All we needed was proof. Despite Sue having custody of us, she was almost never home, and when she eventually did come home, she was holed up in the bedroom. My sister had a smart idea to run into the room pretending to have intense cramps and take a peek at the laptop. True to our suspicion, Sue was on Facebook at that moment. And although we couldn't see exactly what she was doing, our main question had been answered. Getting into her room when she wasn't around was super easy because we had spare keys to all the bedrooms. But then we faced the problem of getting her password. 
My sister decided to place her phone in a hidden corner to take a video that she hoped would help us figure something out. It did, and we had strategic times when we would go and take pictures of all the evidence with our phones. Turns out Sue wasn't only running an illegal and fake business, but she was also using my father's identity to do it. She was really brave because after him getting arrested for fraud, she still didn't stop. In my opinion, it was by sheer luck she hadn't been caught yet. I honestly wasn't surprised because with all the crappy advice she gave my sister, it had to come from someone who thought the same way. My sister was a little more upset about it because even as much as she stayed away from Sue, some part of her still respected her and saw her as a constant motherly figure. Our mom died when she was 8 and I was 10, so I can understand why a mother figure is important to her. Heck, I wanted one too, but I would pick a capybara over Sue. I suggested taking all of the evidence straight to the police, but my sister wanted to add a little more to whatever charges Sue was already going to get. I had no idea where her rebellious streak came from, but I was elated to join. For the rest of the week, after we found out what Sue was up to, we made it a point to always get in her way and annoy her every day until one day she finally had enough and pulled my sister by her hair yelling lots of nasty things at her and admitting to sending our dad away so that she could finally teach us to be useful. There were some other things said, but that stood out to me the most. I also got an audio recording of her voice, and even though she was in pain, my sister was happy with the result. I decided to take it one step further and suggested getting bruised so that it would go with the voice recording, you know, to implicate her further. Was it a crappy move? Extremely. Did I or my sister regret it? Not at all. My sister deliberately hit some parts of her on household furniture to give her a bunch of colorful bruises while I got my friend from my job to give me a couple of punches here and there. My eye had a huge purple bruise and my lip was cut, things that didn't seem outrageous for her to do. In proper Sue fashion, she didn't notice. And after a day when the bruises looked a lot grosser, my sister and I went to the police with teary eyes and an audio recording, as well as other evidence to free our father. It was a spectacle, watching Sue scream and cuss at us while the police dragged her away for child abuse. My sister and I went to stay with a relative until my father was finally freed and Sue was charged with child abuse, fraud, and identity theft. Dad also presented her with divorce papers and she paid him a lot of money for damages concerning the fraud, as well as spousal support for the damages done as well. It was a lot of money and Dad used it to move us back to the city. We were able to get our old house back and I finished my last year of high school at my mother's old school before getting into college. Dad's working remotely again and he still dates but this time he keeps it strictly casual. I don't know how many years Sue got, but it's enough that she won't be pretty enough to steal anyone's money by the time she's out. Considering how despicable Sue was in the life of crime she built, I don't think you can say she didn't deserve it. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy crazy stories of revenge like this, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our other crazy story of revenge, I broke her legs for a C. I don't believe in stereotypes, but if I did, I would definitely call myself that character in every movie that doesn't focus on anything other than schoolwork, and has like a rigid schedule or whatever. And I think that sort of explains why I went so extreme with what I did, but then again, I don't believe in stereotypes. 
and I don't think I need to explain why I did it by putting a label on it, but I haven't told this to anyone, so who better to judge me than the internet? School has never been easy for me because I had brain surgery when I was younger and got held back by a few years. So I have to work twice. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. It's as hard as anybody my age just to meet up with them, and throughout high school, I took every advanced class I could lay my hands on and did all the extracurriculars I could find without disturbing my learning schedule. And I did all that so I could enter college within a year of my age group from middle school. It was one thing to be bullied for my neurological disorder by middle schoolers and elementary kids. I didn't want to have to go through the whole therapy, mental strength building, and creating a cold front in high school, and definitely not in college. So I did everything I had to just to make sure they had no ammunition to bully or try to attack me. My last therapist called it a bad coping mechanism, but that's why he was my last therapist. I won't entertain anything that tries to change my life plan, and with the way I've created a balance of carefully selected friends from the music store I work at and some of my study groups, I don't see anything bad about the way I live life. Focus was never a toxic thing, not even when my friends call me cynical. It's the only thing that got me through recovery at 11. And when this person tried to tamper with my focus, I had no choice but to react at the most extreme I could. I was in my final semester of sophomore year at college, and although the schoolwork was more than I anticipated, I was prepared for it. And to some extent, I think that made me stand out. I had some professors who thought my commitment to schoolwork was inspirational, but there was one in particular who suggested I visit the school counselor whenever I asked about possibilities of taking on more work for credits. She thought I had more time than I should have for schoolwork and that meant I didn't have a balance. To prove her wrong, I worked relentlessly on her coursework and got the highest grade point at the end of that semester. 
but that only seemed to reinforce her belief and I eventually picked another elective because, like I said, I don't need anything changing the course of my life. So when I joined a group project full of people I had never spoken to or met at any of the random study groups I tend to join for fun, just to check out my competition or whatnot, I knew it was going to be difficult. I tried to get the graduate assistant to assign the groups to change my placement, but he was adamant, so I had to find a way to make it work. He was related to school and I wasn't going to let anything, not even my own preferences, stand in the way of doing a great project. I inserted myself into the group as best as I could, getting to know everyone and secretly figuring out their academic strengths and weaknesses, and by the end of the next day after the project was assigned, I was naturally the group leader and all of them were in line with the ideas I had. All except one. It wasn't just that she wasn't agreeing with the plans, she just wasn't available. She missed all the group meetings we had during the brainstorming week and then slept throughout the ones she started attending after we figured out what we wanted to do for our forensics project. But I didn't mind, as long as she stayed out of our way while we worked on the investigative report for our complex sample. I didn't have a problem with her. But we all had to identify a unique aspect of the report that was our individual idea, and everyone had pretty much found theirs, and she was still not participating. I tried to reach out to her, and I tried to get the professor to reassign her, so she wouldn't affect the group's grade, but the only response my email got was... I've heard about you, make it work, that's your group, that's your grade. And if there's anything I love to do, it's proving people wrong. She thought she was setting me up to fail, but I was determined to make it work. So I stalked the slacker. In a few days I knew her full schedule, and when I showed up at the pastry place where she worked off campus, she was definitely surprised. I didn't have time to explain how I found her, so I cut straight to the chase. She had to start contributing to the group project or I was going to cause more trouble for her at work. She didn't look like she believed me until I showed up at her dormitory just as she was coming back from the gym. I think that's when it really struck. She started coming for the group meetings and although she was mostly quiet, she did drop notes on the Google document we were drafting our report on and that was good enough for me, but we were in the second week of the project and we had to finalize our report. So I was very cautious with who was going to the lab to check on our project site because the smallest tampering could affect the way our report was graded. And of course, the slacker just had to mess with it. About two days before we were due to turn in our report, the slacker got drunk and called everyone on the group chat for the project. It was about 2am and I was up so I was the only one who answered the call and I don't think she even realized it. She was rambling incoherently and she just kept going on about how she didn't need to do crap because of some jerk that wanted perfect grades. I thought she was spitting drunk nonsense but then I heard her say, you know what, I'm gonna go do some of my work right freaking now. And by the time I realized what she meant, she had ended the call. I live about 30 minutes away from the lab and by the time I got there, the night security guard was hauling her out of the lab where we worked. I rushed past them and I was furious and shaking by the time I got to our project site. The slacker had poured beer all over the box that contained our sample site and pieces of it were already crumbling. I couldn't hold back the scream I let out and the security guard was rushing back to the lab to find out what happened. I drained the box and told him to please help me get to the security room so I could record the footage. 
He had seen everything that happened anyway, so it wasn't too difficult to convince him. I watched the slacker stumble into the lab and saw the security guard rushing in after her, but she was already murmuring hysterically and pouring her beer into the sample by the time he got to her. And then I saw myself rush to the scene. He allowed me to record the whole thing on my phone, and I left. As I walked back to my dormitory, I didn't realize when I started crying. I had done so much and put in so much work to make sure this project wasn't a waste of time, and this slacker was going to ruin everything because she wanted to take her anger at the world out on me, but I wasn't going to allow it. Almost immediately, I started composing an email to the professor with the video and screenshots of the group chat where the slacker responded negatively to all requests for meetings and contributions. I sent about 5 emails that night and got no responses back. I also forwarded the video to the group chat so all the other members of the group could see that she was the reason we were getting any grade less than an A. Although the professor didn't respond to any of my emails, I was hopeful that the video, plus the fact that I had begged for the slacker to be reassigned, would be enough to show that I didn't deserve to suffer a bad grade for someone else's mistake. We finished the report based on the information we already had, and submitted without the professor ever addressing what had happened. And neither did the slacker, though we all just gave her wide space after the whole incident happened. But then, a week after the whole thing happened and we submitted, our report was scored and individual grades were sent to our emails. But the group grade would also be recorded as a separate assessment. As a group, we scored B, and I was excited to check my email because a B, despite the crap show, meant that I definitely had an A. I was so wrong. I got a C, and the professor actually attached a note telling me that I assumed responsibility for the group when I volunteered to be group leader, and I had to take a lesson from forensics and be more about the holistic outcome. I honestly think I blacked out after reading that email. I did everything, sacrificed my time and energy, and did more work than I should have, all to avoid the slacker bringing a bad grade to my record. And what did I end up with? My first C in years. The professor wanted a holistic outcome, and I was ready to hand out one. The slacker didn't care about my education or hers so I was going to make sure she didn't have the luxury to care about anything. I remembered her schedule from the days I'd stalked her, and while she was busy clocking in to work at the pastry shop, I went to her parked bicycle and took out a few bolts before heading back into my rental car and waiting for her to get off from work. As soon as she did, I trailed after her and waited until she got to the intersection, about 15 minutes away from the pastry shop. As soon as she passed the intersection and got on the deserted street that was a shortcut back to the main road leading to the college campus, I sped up and went in zigzags in front of her, knowing common sense would kick in and she would try to avoid getting hit. But her brakes would fail, and my plan wouldn't. She crashed with the bike, and for better effect, I reversed the car over the bike that was tangled up in her legs and poured out a can of beer the same brand she had spilled all over the project, all over her body as she screamed in pain. The beer was a two-part touch. One, people would think she was cycling drunk, and two, she ruined my life with the drink and I was going to ruin hers with it. I hightailed it out of there and when I was back in the dormitory, I called 911 from a cheap phone I bought earlier that day. I needed to make sure she didn't die, it would be too easy. 
When the professor sent out an email announcing that one of our course mates had an unfortunate accident, I was the first person to show up at the hospital with flowers and a get well soon card. As soon as she saw me, I knew that she knew. But she wouldn't say anything. I don't know how I knew, but I knew. Or maybe she was just afraid that I would do much worse than that if she somehow let it slip that I was involved. After all, when I got to her hospital room, after shedding a few tears at the nurse's station to convince them that she was my bestest friend, the first thing I told her was, consider us even. And just remember that I pay my debts back in multiples. And then I patted one of her hung up legs before setting the flowers down by her hospital bed. Sitting there gave me all the energy to not think about that horrid sea that was staining my academic record, and I was able to clear my mind enough to plan for the courses that would make up for it. And she couldn't do anything but sit and stare with her broken legs. So, uh, considering the outcome and what OP did here, I'm starting to think that that teacher that said that OP wasn't in a balance was kind of right. Although I'm slightly afraid to admit that because, I don't know, maybe OP will track me down and run my legs over. All I can say is, is OP has lots of confidence because being so willing as to share your story like this, when it heavily implicates them if the truth ever got out, and I don't think necessarily paints them in the best of light, they must feel pretty assured it'll never get back to them. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or, if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.